This is an IndieWeb podcast, as yet not definitively titled. Uh, this It is currently July 15th, 2018, and I am joined, as usual, by Chris Aldrich, who has been the other host on the show for the last eight episodes and into this ninth episode. And uh, when we last recorded, we were talking about having a uh, in-person recording at uh, the Indie Web Summit, which actually took place a few weeks ago. Um, so it is now the 15th. The summit took place on the 26th and 27th of June, which makes it basically nearly a month ago. <laughs> Almost. Uh, yes. Uh, but some things have happened uh, in terms of people being busy. Jeez, oh, just catching up from the summit will take you three months. Well, a lot happened there. Uh, so we didn't get a chance to record there because we were too busy enjoying being at the summit, I guess. And it was very otherwise uh, crowded. I've never seen two days go by so quickly. Only two? Well, remember, I, I, I left early. Yeah. I left on Thursday and didn't come back until Thursday. Oh, jeez. And I didn't even attend OS Bridge. Uh, but again... Uh, just before I forget, um, you can find me at david.chansky.com. Chris can be found at bafosako.com. That is two Fs and a bunch of Os. And a CK. Yeah, just in case you can't find it. Uh, so we didn't record there, and we said when we got back, we should record, and we didn't. And now we're recording. Also, in the interim, someone had a birthday. Somebody, I don't remember who. Actually, I, I probably even more interesting than a birthday at an odd anniversary. The one of the motivating factors behind the name of my website had a thirty fourth anniversary. Uh, that being the uh, the inimitable uh, Muppets Take Manhattan movie release on July July thirteenth. Did you buy a copy? I probably have four or five copies, but I, I well, they didn't so. put out a thirty-fourth anniversary edition. No, not not yet. They were busy opening something in uh, in London this week, so oh. the thirty-fourth anniversary got short shrift, except by me. Well, you know, everybody has to celebrate the important events in the world, even if people do not appreciate their importance. Yeah, in fact, I it's, it's odd. I've been away from Facebook for so long. I actually need to. Spend a few minutes and go back because I haven't logged in or really looked at it in a month or more, and it's been off of my phone for more than a year. But I imagine there are a hundred or more "Hey, happy birthday, Chris" messages on Facebook that I just I haven't seen. I well, turned off the notifications. Without, without and, that, nobody would ever remember it was my birthday. Yeah, that's what I think. I'd be too, fine. Is, I'd be fine with in some forms. Um, uh, in fact, two two years ago, I changed my birthday you know, to something six months off just to see if anybody would notice. And sure enough, I, you know, I got 50 or 60 people, you know, wish me happy birthday a second time on my not birthday. Well, what you should do is just also change the age. Yeah. And see if people notice. Uh, well, I, it's not like the early days when everybody was uh, 99 years old. I remember that being a pretty popular thing, especially in MySpace. I remember somebody once was telling me about a story they were reading where 
it was a science fiction story where everybody was basically posting uh, old pictures of themselves and changing their age to younger and then were becoming that age. I forget what. Yeah. I never read it, but somebody was telling me about the story they were reading. And so it, I'm sorry, I just sort of was thinking of that. I have no idea who was telling me that. It was probably my friend who likes to tell me about weird science fiction stories. Should have posted to your website, and then you could look it up. Every time I have a conversation with somebody? No, just, just, you know, you bookmark the salient parts. Yeah, but it was a, or, it was a verbal conversation. Or if you're in a one-party recording state, you can record it and podcast it to your private collection. I don't think I'm at life recording yet. Yeah, no, I'm not either. I don't Even have Aaron the storage. Isn't at life recording. Yeah. Besides, one day, maybe. I think the world would be a very different place if uh, people started wearing body recorders everywhere. Oh, jeez. Well, it hasn't changed uh, uh, police forces very much. Regrettably. But so we both went to the summit and uh, you showed up at the, I think your first appearance that I'm aware of, it was at the uh, pre-party. Yes. Uh, yes, which is where I uh, met you for the second time in my life. Even though we chat almost every day. There are gaps, but yes, we yeah. do chat on a regular basis because we are both uh, frequently in the same chat room. Yeah. Also, your badge says that you're, you said that you were a big fan of mine. Yes. I jokingly suggested that Chris put, um, that he was president of my fan club on his badge and did not think that he would actually do it. I should have put it on my other badge, too, for the, uh, the rest of the conference. But well, you know, I, I should get you an official badge, you know, <laughs> well, and an ID card. I have a nameplate and a business card already made up. I just... Well, you know, um, you know, uh, member number one of the David Chansky fan club. Well, I, you know, I, I have a feeling you've had some grandparents and a mom and a dad who probably. Yeah, but they never know, started a fan club. Longtime members. Yes, but they never, they never started an organization. Oh, okay. But either way. Um... It, um, maybe we, you could make it a secret club, like the fact that uh, Tontek was wearing a Tomorrowland pin the entire weekend. There you go. <laughs> Actually, it wasn't a weekend. It just seems like it because they're usually weekends. But either way, uh, so there were a bunch of sessions uh, that happened after that. What but, was your if if you if you had to say that there was one like big highlight? What was the what was the thing that made the camp for you? Well, you know, you know, I had this mixed feeling when we were doing session scheduling because um, the, uh, the session scheduling had one really good feature that I like, but I disliked on a selfish level. So on a on a totally non-selfish level, I liked it that we were encouraging people who were new to the summit to bring up topics to discuss before people who had been there before. But conversely, I had stuff I wanted to talk about. So... As I said, there was this. Um, I I let the non at one point. I think I let the selfish part overcome the uh, non selfish part because I had really tried to see if I could get Bouch in, just because that one had been really bothering me. Mm -hmm. I was able to sort of stick it in there somewhere. Oh yeah, it got in right under the wire. Yeah, but I sort of I, I sort of felt uncomfortable because I felt like 
I was pushing a little where I might have been pushing something else out. But I really did want to finally bring it back up after I think it's been four years since we've made it a topic at any indie web camp. Mm-hmm. And uh, then uh, just to show how much I wanted to redeem myself, uh, that night I went back to my room and rewrote the entire uh, vouch page on the wiki. Mm-hmm. Well, that's pretty good. That's, you know, just that by itself is a big chunk of work. Well, it helped me sort of, the conversation we had, which is what I really wanted, uh, helped me crystallize what my general problems were. Mm-hmm. And my problems with Vouch uh, are still, some of them are problems. However, there is a Vouch implementation uh, for WordPress now. Not a very good one. And I have to, uh, I have some feedback from Matthias that I have to uh, implement before he'll merge it. Um, But basically, it checks, um, it is going to be disabled by default. It's going to store the vouch by um, default, but any sort of verification will not be enabled at this time due to the fact that it remains experimental. Uh, So other things that have been experimental have become non-experimental later. Uh, So we'll see. I'd imagine you'd want to turn it on, being the the person. Yeah. Well, the, and that's the question too. Is uh, I knew you were working on it, but I hadn't seen it. I don't think get pushed out as a. It's a pull request. An, an official plugin. Okay, so it's sitting as a pull request, which means we can go to the repository and pull pull raw code. Uh, yes, uh, it is pull request number one eighty one in the web mention for WordPress uh, repo. And basically what it does, um, I think the only thing that it's missing is me renaming uh, the method to a more descriptive name. I think that was mm-hmm. the, the last and only comment. But the whole idea is it doesn't do a very stringent, uh, It only re- it, this is vouch receiving, not sending. So it does not do a very stringent job. Mm-hmm. One of the reasons why it does, um, I wanted to start receiving vouches and getting this data is to start trying to figure out how to send them. And that was one of the discussions that we had um, there, which is, what are the problems with Vouch? Um, Trying to crystallize it in my mind, I completely rewrote the Vouch page on the basis that uh, it was completely uh, confusing to most people. And I did get uh, a seal of approval from one of the original two creators of the specification. How many people have implemented it thus far? Two or three, I think. Uh, well, what we according to the page itself, we have uh, Aaron Parecki, who has uh, basically um, supports it very minimally, but he only supports receiving. Mm-hmm. So if you go for receiving, uh, he he receives, and so does. I always pronounce everybody's name wrong. I'm reasonably certain I've gotten Aaron's name right. Yeah, but I have to go and play that pronunciation file, and I really should put my own there. How to pronounce my name? I think I put mine together ages ago. I just never posted it. Well, I said um, after uh, Marty McGuire commented that um, he would actually uh, basically uh, use it if anybody posted it. That I should do it. Mm-hmm. Well, there you go. So, are you are you referring here 
to, well, ben, I just, Robert, to ben Roberts? No, I, I know how to pronounce Ben Roberts. Okay. Uh, but I've, I'm playing the recording now. Oh, Martin. Okay. No, he's, I think it says Martin. So I, I want to basically get that right. So um, Martin also supports receiving. Now uh, it would be Gregor and Ben Roberts who also re- re- support sending. But uh, this started a whole other um, line of conversation about how you actually figure out what to send. And uh, both of them are using the same technique, which involves referrer links. Which is basically when people refer to you, you can use those to build more information about who's linking to you, even if those people linking to you are not web mention senders. Mm-hmm. Uh, which caused me, as uh, you may have seen, to create the RefBack plugin one day. So basically, I just ripped the guts out of the web mention plugin and put new put some guts in the middle. No oh, goody. New well, I'm 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 very pleased to have seen it as a pull request on a pre-existing plugin rather than an entirely separate brand new plugin. Well, no, RefBack is a separate plugin. Well, well, the RefBack was a separate plugin, but I mean the the vouch part at yeah, least. Yeah, the vouch is I'm going to try to put in as a for now an experimental feature in the existing plugin. Mm-hmm. Uh so basically turned off by default, but eventually, hopefully, will be turned on by default if enough people start using it. But you've you've been trying the RefBack plugin, and a RefBack is basically um, generating the equivalent of a web mention whenever somebody um, basically clicks through to your site with a referrer link. So did those historically exist before pingbacks and trackbacks? I don't know. Um, I just stumbled across this and when I was reading up on referrer links in the IndieWeb wiki, I just came upon this whole idea of the the ref back and i was reading this idea it doesn't need any support and it's a way to get more data about who's linking to you from people who don't support you Mm -hmm. so if you um read in you know why the ref back still matters uh which was written and here's another name i will not be able to pronounce uh so this was gkbrk.com or gokbert yaltirakli i apologize if i mispronounced that an article that you said you'd also seen back in 2016 when we were discussing it informally was that the whole idea is that uh, when that individual um, had noticed that had been logging referrers and analyzing them, there had been notification of Reddit comments linking articles, tweets that linked articles, uh, chat rooms where people mentioned a post, and a wiki page with a link to a post. So none of those places would have sent a link back. So the whole idea is while I sort of just left that plugin as a very simple GitHub repository and I probably could do a lot more than release it, I turned it on on my website. So have I actually gotten any uh, refer links? Sort of hard to tell. So I know I got, I got like two, I think. Well, remember, you're more popular than I am. Man, I don't, I don't believe that for a second. But Website-wise. Uh, um, I think... I think I got two, and then I updated it with the small change I think you made so that self roughbacks didn't happen. Yeah, that was, uh, I basically, as I said, I just built the plugin in about an hour. And I don't think I have gotten one since then. And I, honestly, I was initially well, all you have to do to... or scared I was going to get a ton of spam through it was really the... Well, so was I. That's why I'm not releasing it publicly unless I work a little more on it. 
Yeah. But the whole idea is if you really wanted to trigger one, you just have to find somebody who links to you and click through. Yeah. So there's this whole idea that this might work or this might not work, but it's a way to get more information to try to build vouches and other things. And that whole thing started me down the rabbit hole, which um, I did post on on my site, which was um, following. So I can't get uh, other people to necessarily help me build a list of trusted sites. But if um, I can work with people on following blog rules and things like that, and then they'll generate a list for me. And I was trying to figure out, do you have to actually mark up that it is a blog roll? Hmm. And uh, uh, I forget who actually um, pointed out that every time you get a, a basically a follow post, you should be able to follow it back up. To figure out where somebody's basically where somebody's repository of follow links are. Mm -hmm. And also every time you get a, if you want to follow theirs, but if you want to build your own, then all you have to do is record whenever anybody sentence that they followed you, just generate that list. So what I did, uh, and it should be available now because I saw while I was on my way back to New York City this afternoon, and I stopped for a few minutes. I saw that uh, semantic link backs have been updated with the pull request that I sent, and that pull request includes follow as a type. So if I install that right now on my site, which I just clicked oh. and did, then if you went and followed me or refollowed me, or more simply just updated your post so it sent a web mention. Yeah. Then I should get a. I should be displaying that on my about page. Oh yeah, yeah as pushed. I had looked just before we started yeah. chatting, and my problem is my about page is getting really crowded. Yeah, uh, because well, I was. It basically I was... just you know it's basically just shoveling everything that comes in into this one page, and I think the next step is sort of to figure out: Do I want to segment that a bit and write something into? into the plugin that says, okay, if it's this type of post, maybe I want it to go to a different page. Yeah. Oh, that'd be useful. I mean, I already have a, I have a mentions page that takes essentially home, home page mentions, and I don't want to display them on my home page, so I automatically push them to a mentions page. And on that, I know easily in the last month, I have gotten a few notifications or web mentions to it and essentially raw web mentions that essentially say somebody's linked to me and when I go check those links it in fact is I've been put on a blog roll of sorts or oh, yeah so right now everything goes page. everything goes to a page but it wasn't necessarily the intent at least on my part that that be the end of it. Mm -hmm. I always thought that I the original idea was, and this was right before I think. Oh, I think it was the summit last year, or the year before, because I remember it was right before the Indie Web Summit that I put in the code. The whole idea was that right now that there wasn't really a good way in WordPress specifically to just store these things 
So the idea was, why don't we just shunt it to a page and at least we're recording them instead of rejecting them. And then we can always figure out what to do later, but the later has not come. It's almost come. It's like it's here. It's knocking on the door. No, what I'm saying is <laughs> I'm starting to think about it again. I don't know what I'm going to do, but I don't like the fact that I have 106 unmoderated comments and most of them go to that about page. Cause I don't want the about page to look full of just everybody saying everything to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it may be that I do something with that, but I have to map that out in my mind a lot more than I am now. So, well, I've got a so I've got that mentions page, and I have an about page to which I typically don't accept comments generally. Um, well, as I said, just mentioning yeah. the logical solution right now is to shunt, is to create additional parameters to shunt. Uh, direct mentions your top level address to basically based on other criteria. Mm-hmm. And that's certainly doable um, as far as I know. Um, well, I've been thinking, and particularly now that this exists, but I've been contemplating creating a followed by page. And you know, there's enough infrastructure in the setup now that I can take web mentions of people who followed me or added me to a blog role or some other explicit post saying I'm following this person. And I think I've got three or four of them now. But they're editable in such a way that I can change the page they point to, although I have to go into the database to do that. So I could create a follow page and then have the response section give me a list of all the people who have followed me. And now that there's a, you know, if there's followed by functionality in semantic linkbacks, you know, presumably there's that same, you know, face pile set up. Well, yeah, it would automatically go to that, but I'd like to be able to uh, basically turn follow posts into a blog roll and do all these things where it's all about display. Once you have the data, you can make it look, however you want, but I'd like to play with some of those. You mentioned you have a mentioned by page and uh, I forget who wrote like those little mini plugins like that were basically just did one thing very well. Mm-hmm. There's, there was one where it gathered mentions and put them into a display page. And... Oh, Colin Walker, I think. Okay. I have to look up that code. Yeah. No, I'm just, I have to go look up that repository because I know that he put together all these little, very useful mini functions, and a lot of them happen to be in this general area of what I was just talking about, mm. where I'd like to be a lot more granular with what I'm doing. I'm not there yet, um, because I'm all over the place, as usual. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm I'm not unhappy about it. No. I, I wish I could do everything that I dream of doing. Don't we all? Well, and it's always that month right after a, a summit that you've got the 50 burning itches that you have to scratch immediately. Well, for me, um, I got pushed during the summit um, to start working on a massive micropub project. And uh, I'll, it was always on my list to rewrite the micropub plugin to use uh, the REST API and a few other things. Mm-hmm. Um, this was one of those things um, that uh, 
I keep discussing with Brian Barrett, who created the original Micropub plugin, more um, in my interpretation of his motivation, because he thought such a thing should exist. Uh, yeah. But he himself doesn't really use it. Oh, I think I remember him saying once that he was, he, fe- he felt that we should all be embarrassed that there wasn't one for WordPress. And so he wrote it. Well, at the time, you know, it was sort of, the spec kept changing. And it was sort of hard to implement something, knowing that you know the real. Once um, there was actually a defined spec that was written in a clear and concise way, and you could sort of follow it, it was mm-hmm. much easier. You know, the same problem happened with web mentions. The original version was written before the spec was out, and there were a bunch of things in there that were inconsistent with the specification that ended up being changed later. We still don't follow all recommended practices. Yeah, but that's a little different. Recommended is different than required. So we are now, as far as I can tell, I think Web Mentions is actually specification compliant. Micropub is, I think we're missing one or two things on the on the spec sheet in mm-hmm. terms of following it to the letter. But it works. So one of the things is, because of the fact that, that Ryan is not really a WordPress developer, a lot, he implemented using PHP a lot of the functionality that's already built into WordPress. So a lot of his code runs as if you had, a, had bolted on another a PHP application onto WordPress sort of on the side, like a, yeah. hanging a, a boat on the side of another boat. Yeah, and, or so you could take that whole code and you know port it over to something like Drupal that also runs in PHP. And, yeah, which you could. Mm-hmm. Um, Voila. You could with minimal changes. I mean, admittedly, there's a portion that maps everything back to WordPress that you couldn't mm-hmm. put all the logic. So what I really wanted to do was make it work inside WordPress instead of outside of it. And I thought, you know, for trying to get contributors who are WordPress users, that that would be a really good way to address the problem. Mm-hmm. And again, you know, whether or not it is or isn't a problem is probably up to debate. It was a problem for me that basically it existed outside of the system that I was, was trying to work inside. So I decided that I was going to just start rewriting it then. And this is going to be a whole, this is me milestoning version 2.0 of Micropub and basically trying to put in all these things. So Mm. I started, um, it was one gigantic monolithic file. It's now been split into a bunch of smaller files. And I was trying to uh, show what it would look like when I was done. So I built a completely independent piece inside it to do a media endpoint. So the media endpoint, because all it does is accept files for upload and continue, it's a really good way to sort of show this is what I want the whole plugin to look like. Mm -hmm. I want it to basically work within the system so it's easy for other people to pick up and it's easy to manage because when WordPress updates, all this functionality can get improved by people improving WordPress rather than having to maintain our own code. So I'm a Mm -hmm. big believer in upstream. And that works. And it's a lot of work because uh, everything is so tightly wound up in this. The existing code is not modular. And I like my, um, I build things in a very modular way because I have a tendency to uh, change my mind and want to basically adjust what I thought was a good idea before a lot. Mm -hmm. Building my pieces independently means that my tendency to change my mind is much easier to cope with. (laughs) 
so that makes life easier. And since I keep contributing all, um, a lot of these things, I want to make that easier. That makes sense. And it brings me to the, to the final thing that um, I finally understand after um, avoiding it for a while after going to the summit, which is microsub. So at the summit. Um, oh, well, before, before we get into that, I, I think the other piece that I think some have, I don't know, problems or not problems with is the way that web mention or not web mention, but um, micropub dovetails or doesn't with post kinds. Uh, well, it doesn't, it doesn't. Um, the thing is that they were never meant to require each other, but they were always meant to work together because whenever micropub would impose its point of view on post kinds, that always annoyed me. But whenever you don't, I don't want anybody to feel that in order to use micropub, they have to use post kinds. I think that would mm -hmm. also be a bad move. Yeah. So the other thing that I did in this reimagining of micropub is I split all of the rendering code that so this is the code that Ryan put in that actually takes the micropub micro submission and tries to turn it into a post and post kinds turns it off completely. It says, I don't want you to mark up my content because I already do that. Mm -hmm. Now that leads to a whole long standing discussion between all of the major WordPress players about who's doing the rendering. Yep. So we've all sort of agreed that um, property should be stored and the property should be rendered. But the problem is what happens when you have multiple things trying to render. Now you have the theme, which really should be doing all the rendering, but you really can't rely on every single WordPress theme to do that. Nope. You have MicroPub, which is trying to render when it gets a MicroPub submission. And then you have PostKinds, which is trying to render. Now the difference being that MicroPub does it statically. It basically renders and saves that in post content and post kinds does it on the fly, which means if you turn the plugin off, all of the enhancements go away. Now that's, mm. equ that's equally a problem. So doing it dynamically is great, which means old posts look wonderful after you're done with them. Yeah. If I, let's say that in that I'm storing um, featured image data on posts, what if tomorrow I make it so that you can display featured images in the standard templates suddenly all of your old posts would come alive with featured images, which could be good or could be bad. If you think <laughs> about it, it depends on. I do, I do actually go through and edit some of those uh, featured image pieces that post kinds pulls up because I know it's sometime off in the future that may happen. Yeah. And the images that are stored there are not images that I'm going to want. It's progressive enhancement. Yeah. Uh, but you see, we get to the other part, which is, that if you switch from micropub to post kinds, then you have the problem that it's going to double render mm -hmm. because Ryan's code saves the rendering inside the post. And that creates an equal problem because then post kinds will just try to render it again and create two copies of everything. Yeah. So uh, that is a problem that we've been uh, discussing and, uh, since uh, we did come to a consensus on how we could do it dynamically, but um, no one wanted to implement it. And I'm not talking about in their plugin. It was sort of at all. Yeah. Um, because it's, it's going to be a pain in the neck to get everybody together on it. So I just sort of suggested, let's push it down the road till WordPress's Gutenberg project is done, which is close to being done. Um, it's mm -hmm. at least uh, they've announced that it's sort of feature complete. 
Yeah. So it may be a time when one of us has to look at Gutenberg and say, this is going to really affect, maybe um, we can all turn off Gutenberg, but it's going to affect a lot of new users coming and trying to implement IndieWeb on their sites. I already have somebody um, who actually opened up an issue on PostKinds asking what I was going to do about Gutenberg, mm. which I'm sure you saw. Yes, I saw. Okay. So somebody was saying about this that they basically were writing a theme that was going to be Gutenberg-friendly, and they noticed that Gutenberg doesn't work with PostKinds. And I sort of pointed out, no, it doesn't. And I'm happy. I challenged the individual in question to basically, if he'd been thinking about how that might work, if he wanted to make some suggestions, I was sort of not saying no to anything. I was just sort of saying I'm punting it down the road because I'm not sure how it's going to work. Yeah. And I'm work. I'm focusing on MicroPub because my sort of plan is, in the event that it works horribly for me, not for everyone, but for my use case, then I could just use WordPress as a headless system and basically post everything using Micropub and then at some point in the future solve all of those individual problems. Yeah. Because remember, I have, to, I have a lot of plugins that do a lot of different things. I have syndication links, which allows you to add links to a, uh, a post of syndicated content, which means I need a box for that. I need to design that to work with the Gutenberg interface, which is fine. That's an easy one, probably. I have location, which is very... Um, tightly interwoven with the current interface and I'd have to basically figure out how to write a new interface for that. Then PostKinds, I'm, I'm going in terms of difficulty here. Mm -hmm. PostKinds is going to be incredibly difficult to, because PostKinds, um, even if I went, if I stopped heavily modifying the classic editor, which is what the I do using JavaScript, mm -hmm. to basically move stuff around the screen so that you only see what I want you to, um, even if I did, if I rewrote that, it, you know, with the whole block conception, and all this, it would it would look very different. So mm -hmm. there are there are things that I'm doing in the background to sort of try to make the structure a little better for that. But I know that it's going to be a difficult thing for me to figure out what to do. So I'm doing what I always do, and I don't have a solution. Not do it. Yeah. Well, even based on some of the things I've seen early on. I think it's about a year since I really looked at it heavily, and it's come a long way since then. But m my conceptualization of what Gutenberg was going to do was going to modularize everything. So in some sense, you almost could take post kinds and turn each different kind into a into a block, yeah. into a block itself. Yeah, for doing well, for at least for rendering the. Um, which means that contextual part. Yeah, which basically means that. Every time you loaded up a, if we had a, a post kind enabled, Gutenberg enabled post, it would have to basically render the micro formats, but it would have to render them from the post content. Or every time you updated the post, it would have to render it to the. So there's there's opportunities there to figure out that the answer to that question. Mm -hmm. um, as I said, I'm just sort of kicking it a little down the road and work. Yeah. Um, so MicroPub will probably be a big one. And I have a few other things up my sleeve. For example, I was inspired by Jonathan Lecure's. Uh, he did a microformats to JSON schema. Oh yes. 
So I was thinking about that and I started basically saying, well, what I want to do is I want to spec out the properties that each post kind, which is basically a representation of a indie web post type actually supports and uses inside the plugin. So if I actually go and let's say have Gutenberg blocks rendered, or I keep with a classic editor UI, or I build my own UI, which is always the third choice, Mm -hmm. the silly choice, but the third choice, all it does is it pulls this array of data and says, okay, it wants this property. How do I register that property? How do I render this? And basically do what I did on the, on the front end, I built a rendering engine. It basically takes templates in the style of WordPress templates and uses them to render the individual types of posts around the way the system does it. So mm-hmm. why not do the same thing on the back end and say, okay, fine, here are the properties you have to render, go render them. Uh, which is the same idea that people are looking at for MicroPub clients, that the server can tell you what it supports. Yep. And even a suggestion that I put in for indigenous for Android, which I gathered was uh, thought to be a good idea, which is custom post types. So the idea is what if you could, within the indigenous for Android app, be able to say, here are the properties I want, create a basically a custom post type within indigenous that would use these properties. So rather than waiting for him to create additional types, you could just create your own type. And that'd be, yeah. Well, um, I thought that was a crazy idea, but apparently he'd been thinking about it anyway. So he has a base class, which allows him to create a new post type in about five minutes. So he thinks he could make that dynamic, which would be great. It means that, um, if you wanted to create your, uh, snark type or your chicken type, you just mm-hmm. say, okay, these are the properties. As long as the plugin knows all the individual elements, it can dis- it can assemble a post interface for you. And there's already a, a system that's been doing this for a while, um, but we haven't heard much from Ben Roberts in a while. He's been busy with stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but his um, MicroPub client actually did this, uh, where you'd be able to basically say, here are the properties I want, and here's how they work. Mm-hmm. So I like the idea of you know a dynamic editor, and that brings us to the year of the reader. Oh geez, yeah. The next so for the next hour here, we're going to chat about this topic. That's possible, <laughs> or easily could. It was it's a, it's impressive how much reading related stuff has happened, in, you know, roughly over the last year, but even in particular over the last two or three months. Yeah, but I didn't want a micro sub reader until i started talking about it there i was avoiding it because i have enough things i'm trying to build right now yeah but i did attend the micro sub how to build servers and clients topic. so so let's let's take it three steps back and talk about what the generic problem is that all this is trying to solve in some sense okay so the problem is basically we can go back even further it is once you and your friends are all publishing all of this content to your own website, how do you read it? How do you consume that content? Now, a lot of people like to consume content via, let's say, Facebook, Twitter, what have you, but there really needs to be an an independent way of doing this. And to recreate the experience of sites that are still used by some people, feed readers, 
but also to recreate the experience of these social sites that basically have captured all of the air away from individual feed readers. So Google Reader, you know, partially may have died because social networks replaced that. So the whole silo idea, which is basically people are posting things and you have a feed that you read. So that replaced mm-hmm. a more traditional feed reader where you were directly reading the websites. So how do you recreate that the advantages of these silos that killed off individual feed readers while maintaining an individual feed reader? Mm-hmm. Hey, I don't think a lot of the general public really appreciates the fact that they lost their, you know, Google reader or whatever feed reader they were using or if you use it less, but Facebook and Twitter, really their core product is a feed reader, but it's a feed reader that only works for Facebook or Twitter well, respectively. Well, I'll give you a, a different example. It doesn't even work for the people using it. So my mother is not a tech savvy individual. Now, just before we started this, she called me and said, that um, she does not like anything on Facebook. She does not respond. She is a passive reader of Facebook. For her, it is a feed reader. Mm -hmm. And she follows a group on Facebook that she really likes. It's called Great Kosher Restaurant Foodies. By the way, um, I don't think most people have heard of it. Oh, yeah, no. No. Uh, It is basically where people post uh, information on good kosher restaurants uh, to enthusiastic people who eat kosher food. For example, I just pulled it up. Uh, here's a few examples. Is there anything kosher to eat at Yellowstone National Park? That's very specific. Yeah, but there's also you know people talking uh, talking about new restaurants coming in various areas. So it's a basically, if you're interested in kosher food, this is a great resource. But she's saying that she's not, discovered that she's not getting posts from that site when she reads her Facebook feed, and she wants to know why not. My theory is because she's not engaging with it, but she's not engaging with anybody. Yeah. <laughs> so the sort of thing is she doesn't want to go and just like things just to so that Facebook knows that she wants this. She's already said she liked it. She joined a group. Yeah. So it's just sort of this problem where I'm saying, okay, um, my mother wants what it is that I am tempted to be involved in building, but I'm not actually building. Mm-hmm. She wants the same thing I do, the ability to read whatever I want without a, an algorithm trying to get in my way. Or at least not to the extent that if I want something to show, I don't have to go and, and give them some sort of social signal. Yeah. But the thing is, she can't have that. Because even if she decided that she wanted to read outside of Facebook, all this content is actually out there. Unless somebody builds the uh, Facebook to uh, microsub gateway. Let's call Ryan. He's the bridgey guy. Uh, I think he's already got that. No, he has, he has. He's got. He's got a little piece that t- will take content from Facebook and turn it into an RSS feed. Yeah, uh, that's that, part that, of Granary. That, that that piece exists. You just have to plug it into the right spot on the other end. Yeah, let's see. Uh, according to this, I'm just uh, looking here. You can. I don't know if uh, with all the things that they've done on Facebook, if you can actually do that. So I just yeah, I don't. Up... I, yeah, I don't know if recent. I mean, I, I have a feed that takes all of my Facebook 
content that I would read there natively and pipes it into an RSS feed so that I could read it. Typically, I happen to not do so, but. So I just looked at Granary here, and it says, um, let's see, that I could put in a username and with an access token and possibly find this. So let's see if we can solve my mother's problem right now. Live on the air. There you go. Can you do can you do granary with a group? So I have the name of the group and I have my access token and I want it to output in let's say MF2JSON. Some of the aliases that you've requested do not exist. Do I have to read the docs? No. So it doesn't say any anywhere here that I could. I could do this. So there's an I can put in an activity ID, but I'm gonna have to ask him personally how I actually would do this. But that would solve my mother's problem. She could get off okay. Facebook and move to Granary. Which really is not a bad idea for almost anybody. Yeah, but my mother needs things that are mother friendly. Wow. I'm saying this because she likes to remind people that um, 10 years before it became popular to store all your data in the cloud, I built her a cloud just so that I wouldn't have to copy all of her data. And she wanted to, wherever she was, to be able to have the same files. She didn't understand that she went to a different computer, that her files wouldn't automatically follow her. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and today it seems, you know, second nature. You just give it a decade. Yeah. So she likes to remind... You know, I, at the time, I built something for her that was only used in corporations. I built her a Samba server, just <laughs> purely for the purpose of not having to deal with this situation. Yeah. Anyway, um, so turning and circling back over to Microsub, Microsub is basically exploded with a lot of, you know, it started uh, last year, and it's exploded with all these people being interested in creating Microsub servers and clients. So you have uh, Eddie Hinkle doing indigenous uh, for, for iOS, which is a micro pub and micro sub client. And you have, and I always forget his actual name. This bothers me. The gentleman, uh, right. who do, the gentleman who does the, the indigenous for Android for uh, Christoph de Jaeger. Yeah. Uh, who basically is doing the, the version for Android you also have uh, a few others coming out. Uh, you have Together, which is uh, an example. You have the fact that Aaron announced at the summit that he had uh, opened up public beta for Aperture, which is his Microsub server, so that anybody could use it. So if you don't want to build your own, and I always want to build my own, I don't know why. Um, or at least I want one that's under my control so I can modify it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he announced the public beta for that, so people are building clients because now they can publicly use his. People are integrating it and doing what they want with it. So be before we get too far away for the for the newer listeners, essentially what this new ecosystem for Microsub is enabling is a server-side setup that does all of the heavy lifting of going out and... Well, finding feeds and bringing the data back, and then there's the second side of displaying and presenting that data. Does that so sound familiar? 
Yeah. Well, you know. No, I'm, I'm just saying, um, isn't that exactly what I just said? I've been doing. No, I, I had not read the micro sub uh, spec until after this conversation at the summit. But I'm saying that by coincidence is exactly what I've been doing in all these other contexts, trying to build this exact same idea that the rendering and the parsing should be t two different things. Mm -hmm. Admittedly, to some degree, I've gotten that from conversations in the IndieWeb chat, not conversation about microsub, but conversations about how we build IndieWeb tools to be interoperable. Yeah, but well, it's how can you take that big, massive problem and chunk it up into a bunch of much smaller problems that you know different workers or pieces can work on one piece of the problem and then hand a standardized output to the next piece that processes it and works and continues on. Well, I just realized, you know, that that's what bridgey is. That's what all these things are. That's what the entire community is about: building bridges. It's about mm -hmm. connecting two things that don't necessarily work together. And there's a literary uh, concept that this reminds me of. Um, how are you at uh, young adult literature? Uh, yeah, I'm, you know, fair to middling. Uh, Gordon Corman, son of Interflux. Okay, so I know, I know who Gordon Corman is, but I have not read that book. Okay, uh, Gordon Corman uh, is interesting. Uh, he is still writing, although I have not kept up with everything he's done over the last few years. My, favorite, pe my favorite piece is No Coins, Please. I love that one. So Gordon Corman uh, started writing. Uh, basically, his first novel was an actual write, a school writing assignment. I believe it was when he was in, I think it was high school or middle school. I can't remember. Mm -hmm. And uh, so he wrote a lot of these very interesting books. And they were uh, very humorous young adult literature. And I read them when I was younger. And one of them was this book that was set um, on Long Island. I sort of sympathize with being somebody who lives in the New York area. And it was about basically um, son of Interflux was about this kid whose father is an executive for this company Interflux, where their entire business is basically um, making, uh, I forget exactly what the slogan is that for every, I think it was for every uh, two useless items, there is one third item that is equally useless that uh, makes the other two items useful. Because this is gonna, this, it's gonna bother me until I remember what that slogan was. But you get the idea. It's basically the um, it manuf um, they started, if I remember correctly, from the story, uh, not making uh, buggy whips, but making the thing that connected the whip to the handle. Yeah. Uh, so they basically would make items like that that were basically intermediate parts. So okay. this means that I really want to name something interflux. Oh, yeah, totally. But I don't know what. <laughs> well, it's such a popular book that Amazon has a copy of it listed at $321. Really? Yeah. I'm guessing by that you will not be buying a copy. Not not immediately. I'm going to go to the library to look it up. But that surprises me. It's That book is not in print anymore? Or it's not even yeah. available as an ebook. No, I don't think so. No, I have a copy. But this is disappointing. I'm going to have is... to track down Gordon Corman and ask him why uh, you can't get a Kindle copy of Son of Interflux. Because he's still yeah. a publishing author. It's not like some of the authors who've dropped off the face of the earth one way or the other. He still writes books. Mm -hmm. But 
Um, I do recommend if you have somebody in the young adult uh, theme, or again, I still occasionally look at those books because I get a kick out of them. No Coins, Please, Son of Interflux, Semester in the Life of a Garbage Bag. Yeah. Oh, no, they're all good stuff. Don't Care High. I love he, well, he, he was writing young adult stuff before it had the title YA. So. Yeah, um, I hate to divert into young adult literature, and I think now he's gotten more sensationalist from what I've gathered. Yeah. Um, so um, lately he seems to have sort of gotten into more popular young adult fiction. I saw he was doing something with spies. and But I sort of like those uh, irreverent books. Mm-hmm. Well, he was pretty clever. Yeah. So, well, in any case, so we have the server part that does the heavy lifting, and then we have uh, the separate piece that handles the display and the presentation as two separate pieces. And so things like, and as far as I know, Aperture, I think, is the only one that sits on the server side, correct? Well, Aperture is, well, no, I th- there are people who have done other Microsoft servers, just uh, Aperture is probably the most feature complete one. Yeah. But I've been watching people talk about building Microsub servers. And well, and the only publicly available one if you haven't built your own. Uh well here we are. Um the individual who wrote Ramini, who's the that's another uh micropub client for Android that's sort of in development, um, has written a microsub server called Exter. Written in Go. Oh yeah, that's right. Now, uh, you also have the one that I mentioned uh, earlier, which was from another attendee to the summit, which is basically Yarn. So Yarn was a, an RSS feed reader that had been, it was based on Whisperfollow, which was Ashton McAllen's uh, attempt at a uh, basically a similar thing within WordPress. And it basically was an improvement to that, which he decided to sort of turn into a microsub server after attending, he'd been thinking about it, but he, I think, like me, he got excited about the idea of it being a Microsoft server. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's called Yarns. And um, I told him if there's anything I could do to help, because I want this thing to work, I'd be happy to. Although I do get a kick out of a few of... Um, have you looked at the at the Microsoft server um, repo? For yarns, yeah, specifically, yes, I have it bookmarked. Yeah, and I, ha- um, I haven't gone started going through the code yet, but I do have it bookmarked. Yeah, well, I, he um, as inspiration, he it looks like he used some of the MicroPub and the uh, web mention code because I recognize some of the structure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and since I'm very familiar with both of those code bases, I, I might as well help. Yeah, although I'm going to let him. He he asked for some help on something, and I it was a problem with the indie auth plugin. So I think it, me fixing the indie auth plugin fixed that. But I'm excited to see it work. Yeah. And uh, then of course there was the launch of the indie web ring, which I have stayed out of. Oh well, but well before we even get to that, yeah. we should mention to um, the new uh, MicroPub reading client. That as part of the year of the reader, which one? So let's get uh, together all of those. No, um, uh, Gregor's indie oh. book club. Oh, indiebookclub.biz. Is, oh, that, yeah. Well, that's not reader. That's reading. Or read. Well, it's reading, but part of 
you know, once you're reading something and then you can post about having read it. Yeah. So IndieBookClub.biz is basically a micropub client that also has like a, an element on the site where if you use it as your client, it will also uh, basically allow you to have a profile page of all of the stuff that you posted there. Uh, so you have one at IndieBookClub.biz slash user slash BafoSaco.com where it shows all of your entries. Now, the only thing that's missing, and I think somebody sort of pointed out, is the ability to basically feed into it if you post somewhere else to be able to also. So what mm -hmm. it needs is a web mention piece. Yeah. Which would be interesting. Well, but even just using it as a micropub client just by itself and keeping that storage. Yeah, and he continues to iterate. Um, I sort of put in some read support into PostKinds because I wanted it to work properly. And it's not, it was sort of very simply done, so there's more to do on it. Yeah. But I wanted to make sure that it wouldn't break. And I think the piece I've seen more people having issue with is having proper, at least on the WordPress side, is having proper indie auth set up. Who's calling me from the 201 area code? I don't even know anybody in the 201 area code. Sorry, every device actually wants to ring every time that happens. I'll see mm -hmm. if I can mute it. There, I just muted the... So my computer... Now I know who that is. I'll call him back. Anyway, so IndieBookClub.biz is moving forward. Um, that's Gregor's project, and I think he's sort of continuing to iterate. And um, okay. last I saw, he was asking the question about read status, which is the property of whether or not you wanted to read something, reading or finished, about making it a, gen a generic status. Yeah. So whether or not it should be a, like a position status, like if you're watching something, wouldn't it be the same thing? I want to watch it. I. So yeah. by making it, re it read status, it does sort of limit it to one medium. Yeah, so can we find a way to create a, a micro format or use something that already exists to create that kind of want yeah. type of post that relates to reading or watching or listening or... Yeah, well, I'll, I will let him work on it. <laughs> no, just because um, he's working on it. And... Yeah. But, becomes an interesting but very hard problem to solve. Yeah. At some point, I'd like to get ISBN support into PostKinds. But I think that'll be part of that project I mentioned to sort of declare the properties of a post. Mm -hmm. And we'll see where that goes. But that does bring us to IndieWebRing, which seems to be popular for reasons I don't understand. <laughs> well, it's a, I think a lot of it's nostalgia. Let's talk about who's popular now, Mr. Shansky. Uh, well, I found out who that number is. Yeah. It's Sunday. I'm not answering a call from work. Oh, geez. They're going to call me five times on a Sunday. Yeah. I will call that individual back at my convenience. <laughs> anyway, uh, that, that said, uh, hope, hopefully, there, hopefully there isn't a fire that I need to put out, but... Yeah. I'm so, I'm I'm in a podcast right now. So, well, I th I think a lot of the web ring piece is a, a bunch of it is nostalgia, 
But I think it also serves to, and there have been three or four people in the last two weeks who have written posts about things in the area of discovery. How do you discover new and interesting things on the web? Or where do you find some sense of serendipity to find things that might be of interest to you either broadly or within a specific niche topic? So, well, you know, web, web ring does a little bit of both of those two. It's the nostalgia piece, but it's also a little bit of discovery. Um, although in, in the indie web rings case, the discovery part is generally very minimal because the, most of the people who are part of the web ring presently all know each other rel- relatively well and have probably been following each other's sites for, you know, months, if not years. Um, you know, so the the other piece, too, that's nice is having a, a URL that's emoji-specific, which is, you know, part of the fun of things as well. So well, I just discovered a problem. I decided to try the Indie Web Ring, and it took me to a site that doesn't have a Web Ring link. That should get somebody thrown out of the Web Ring. Yeah, I've I've run across that once or twice myself. Oh no, it's hidden in the sidebar. Oh, is it? The, the, occasionally, there are a few sites you'll run into where there's no link to continue the ring. Uh, but I don't think it's a intentional. I, I, well, I think it's randomized too. So if you go forward and back, typically it'll throw you to somewhere else. Yeah, no, I know. I'm just more saying that you, there should be a condition of joining the web ring that uh, your link has to be verified. Yeah. Well, and usually it should go back and check at intervals to make sure that it's still still there and still viable. Yeah. But either way, um, I also don't like uh, emoji websites. I know people find them fun. I just find them confusing to type. Yeah. So I wouldn't object if there, um, if there was an alias that was human readable. That is an xn-sr8hvo.ws. Mm-hmm. If you know, if there was a redirect, yeah. Why well, I th- I, th- I think that ninety percent of why that web ring exists is just the fun of being able to have a domain that is an emoji web and then an emoji ring stuck together that works. You know, and that to, to me, well, if I thought, I, I thought it was just because uh, Doug Beale kept saying indie web ring. <laughs> I'm not making fun of. I'm just. I was trying to to mimic the tone that he used when he said it. It was this really. It was this really enthusiastic tone. Yeah. And I mean, and I think the enthusiasm is, it was contagious. Yeah. How could you not love it? I mean, it really it is. It's uh, cute and it's fun. It's yeah. No, there are only a few things that I don't like. One, I don't like that I have to that I have a randomly assigned emoji to me. I'm worried about what I'd get. Mm-hmm. Being the paranoid person I am <laughs> in that regard, I'm convinced I'll get the symbol that I can't live with. Uh, maybe I, but you know, at least you know the person who could change it for you. So there is that. Yeah. Uh, then I, I do not like, as I said, a website where you can't remember the name without getting out your emoji keyboard. Yeah. I don't use emojis the time so 
Well, you actually have to be on a pretty slow for anybody to know what your assigned you kind of quote username emoji is. You've got to be on a pretty slow internet connection to click that button and have it pop up in the URL bar before it then redirects quickly to the name of the actual new site. So when when it comes to what your you know quote unquote username is, that that's not as big a deal as one might imagine. I know, but um, I just haven't gotten to getting involved in the ring. It's another namespace grab. Yeah. It's cute. I'm not denying the cuteness of it. <laughs> I'm glad I'm glad that that it has finally been achieved. It's the, you know, it's the newest biggest edifice within the indie web community and but I think it also goes towards the concept of having fun with doing doing things on the web. And my guess is, had the concept of a web ring not existed a decade ago, we would be reinventing it now. Well, good luck to you guys. <laughs> not complaining. You're you're not saying this because you ran into issues with getting WordPress to. You know, re- render uh, you know HTML uh, entities properly to no. to show. I heard about that, but no, <laughs> I, I haven't tried. I've seen a few people with that issue, so I posted in a little link with uh, the the proper. Uh, I think it was the hex entities I used, and not the the decimal ones. But you can you can cut and paste, and it, it all becomes a lot easier to to deal with. I promise you it wasn't that. Yeah. Okay. Um, Just my, uh, I had other things on my mind. Uh, to me, the, the, the other unsung part of what's going on with the indie web ring. Uh, and there was also two before we get too far away from it. Um, uh, Greg McVary put together or resurrected an old WordPress plugin to create uh, a, another web ring so there are probably two or three incarnations of web rings going on right now, even though the the indie web ring is kind of the the slickest looking version. But but to me, one of the interesting pieces was that it was all built on Glitch. Yeah, I saw and that. I've seen, and I've seen a handful of people kind of in the community, and Marty in particular, tinkering around and using Glitch as infrastructure for building these, some of these small little interoperable tools with. And so that, that becomes kind of an interesting, how can you, you know, it's like a a GitHub, but one which is remixable and interoperable with other things. And I get a kick out of it. And I've I've yet to do anything with it myself, but it it looks like at least an intriguing platform to start to play with. Well, I will leave that for another day, at least for me. Yeah, too much going on, too much to build, and not enough time. Well, I'd love it if I could spend my entire day building. Yeah, August. There you go. We'll see. Sooner, sooner or later, one of us will start a company and. No, in August I have that 
script that's tentatively scheduled where yeah. I don't plan on having a life outside of work, so I'll have plenty of time to write code. I thought IndieWeb was life. It can be. It just, uh, I will not have a life that involves needing to leave my hotel room. Well, there you go. Hopefully it's a nice one. Well, get out at least one or two days and see some local sites and absorb some culture. Well, uh, last year I was doing uh, 8 p.m. to 5 a.m. So I have no idea what time they'll have me doing this work this year. The time difference can make an issue. Uh, Uh, My prediction is uh, midnight to 8 a.m. Oh, local, uh, which makes it uh, 12 p.m. to 8 p.m. New York time. It's a 12-hour time difference. So that means you, you'll you get out and you'll see the best of the breakfast culture. You can see. Um, last time, the hotel had free breakfast. Oh, there you go. Yeah, so I had, uh, I had breakfast for dinner and dinner for breakfast. So you don't know what lunch looks like in those countries, huh? Oh, I did, but I had lunch at midnight. <laughs> there was only one place open. It's the only place I've ever seen that would serve uh, like pasta, uh, basically pasta with tuna fish mixed in. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I have to that... try that in the United States. I, I said when I came back, I should make that myself. Have you ever had tuna with tomato sauce? There's a well. I've never had it with tomato sauce, but I was going to say there there was a, a big movement in the 1960s and 70s called tuna helper that was you know variations of tuna mixed with pasta. But I don't. I will admit I don't think I've ever seen one with a uh, a tomato paste or a tomato base sauce mixed. It was surprisingly in, so. interesting. Um, try making pasta with like mixed in tuna fish and tomato sauce. Hmm. Now I, I have seen uh, it's probably a slightly higher level of cuisine, but I have seen some uh, tomato-based pasta dishes with salmon mixed in, and I think that tends to work a little bit better palate-wise. But yeah, well, this was uh, like a coffee house. Never, I've never done tuna. So yeah, no, I'm saying it was inexpensive, and it was like two doors down from where I was working. We need a tuna pasta post type now. Just to bring it all back around. Well, I should start posting recipes and food pictures. Oh, there you go. Uh, People post sorry, food pictures. I don't know that one. <laughs> People do, but apparently your home automation doesn't. Well, that's the that's the echo because I made sure that the Google Home has a male voice so I could tell the difference. Oh, there you go. Seemed to be a good solution to the problem. Do you have a pet name for your automation devices so that they don't recognize when you're talking about them? George and Alice. Okay. I call mine Madam A. Yeah, I, I, uh, you got that one from Stacey Higginbotham? She does that. Yeah, pro- probably there were... The, I, I think there's a relatively large community of people who've picked up that, that name Not from... I think they picked it up from her. Yeah. But either way, I I like to be different. So it's Alice and George. They sound like they're the next door neighbors on a a 40s radio program. There you go. Yeah. Howard Howard Hawks slapstick comedy. I'm thinking more of like a Burns and Allen, 
type thing or a Jack Benny yeah. program. There you go. So on that note, uh, what else is on your mind as we as we move into our final stretch of this um, long overdue continuation episode? Yeah, I'm trying to think of anything that's stuck out bigly and broadly in the last, uh, or that we haven't touched on. Uh, oh, the one thing I think I still had on my list was uh, Aaron Parecki's post about uh, set, sending your first web mention. What about his post on IndieAuth? That was also a watershed one. He wrote the, some really yeah. good posts in the last few weeks. Yeah, and that and that came out. Was it like a couple of days after the summit? I think. Yeah, and it's finally yeah. basically explaining indie auth as a OAuth variant instead of trying to explain it as anything else, which caused people to think that indie auth and Realme auth were the same thing. Mm-hmm. So he, I think he finally got to the point. And what really shocked me was one of the people who responded that they wanted to implement it was the founder of Home Assistant, which is the software I use for home automation. Oh, nice. Well, they've been looking. They use uh, basically a single password. They've been looking to put in like a a user management system Mm -hmm. and a token system so that they could, you know, that applications could access it and put in a more, something that's a little more secure than what they have. Because right now, one API password gives you access to the entire system. Mm -hmm. There's no permission base. There's no limited uh, scope, there's nothing of that. And he basically implemented IndieAuth and was talking about, he came in and asked about changing the specs so that you could have IndieAuth to a, um, basically an arbitrary IP address and there was a whole back and forth. So IndieAuth is invading another part of my life, which is good. Yeah. And, and all and, I have to do is convince and, him to make it so that he could delegate uh, my home assistant IndieAuth to my website IndieAuth. Yeah. Well, but it's also invading a piece that's also got some rather large market penetration as well. So, yeah, well, um, the gentleman in question, whose name escapes me, uh, was actually hired uh, to work on Home Assistant full time. He found a corporate sponsor who does not want him to uh, commercialize the product, but basically wants to incorporate the product into their system, but basically is not making him prioritize their products. A company called Ubiquity. Uh, they make network devices. Mm. So you sort of have to appreciate that somebody actually said, we want to sponsor this project. We're going to hire its founder to work on the project full time, which means he was able to implement things like this much more quickly. Yeah. That is pretty cool. But yeah, I think it is nice to have a handful of relatively accessible articles that explain what what this stuff is what's going on and i think in one of our last episodes we probably spent a half an hour or so talking about indie auth yeah well as i said it took me really a long time to uh, wrap my mind around it i wish i'd had a post like that before yeah or even his you know recent web mention post for sending your first web mention i wish i'd had that four or five years ago now when I was... Well, my favorite so far is, is how to build a micropub endpoint in 45 minutes. Wait, he's written that one? Did I miss it somewhere? No, he, he, he performed that one. <laughs> oh, it was okay. A set, it was a session at Baltimore that was recorded. Okay. I said he should really like do one of those for every concept and just put them online and use his professional editing skills to 
do sort of a more polished version of it. Yeah. But he actually built, I'm not sure if you watched this, he actually built a micropub endpoint while pe- in 45 minutes. It yeah, no, a, I, to- it wasn't I totally missed one. it. That sounds like the kind of performance art I want to see more of. No, it was, uh, let's see, it was the Baltimore one, and I'm, I'm assuming there was video of that. I want to say I sat I sat in on a lot of the live streamed stuff, and I I, I vaguely remember it being a session, but yeah. I know I didn't watch it. Yeah, but it's building a micropub server uh, comes in at uh, let's say thirty eight minutes and eleven seconds, and probably eight minutes of that is just set up and and he basically built one from scratch. Yeah. So he basically showed. How to build an endpoint again using um, indieauth.com as the authorization system, but basically he built an entire endpoint. It wasn't a very complicated one, but yeah. But he showed basically how the concept worked very well, and I have to say that uh, the company that hired him to uh, do advocacy and education clearly got a good deal. Yeah. Anyway, so that brings us to a lot of stuff we've talked about. I'm not sure if there's anything else on our agenda or if we want to save it for a future episode of the show. Oh, there's always going to be something else, but uh, I think that covers at least some of the highlights. We probably could do four more episodes on everything. All all of the rest. Uh, I could have spent another four days, I think, in Portland. and I could have spent another four days with the gang still not gotten as much done as I would have liked. The only unfortunate know. part of the of the 48-hour period was me trying to break into your hotel room. <laughs> Which I don't think you heard about. Oh, oh no, I did. I heard about it some sometime around I think uh you know mi- midnight or so the the night it happened. Um uh basically um I left my bag in the room that you were sharing and you guys were enjoying yourselves, so I borrowed a key to go back and get it. The key somehow got demagnetized, and the people in the hotel found it very suspicious. <laughs> uh, because I could not, uh, I realized that I could not call the person who's in, whose name the room was because I had not taken that individual's phone number, and he was not checking an IRC chat to see whether or not I was at his hotel. Oh. So I was sitting there saying, okay, what I'm, I'm going to have to walk all the way back to that bar where they are, which is like a 10-minute walk, which wasn't so bad. And because I didn't think that it was a good idea to take the phone number of the person whose room I was going to basically invade. Yeah. Uh, fortunately, the hotel was nice enough to look up the number and call him. Oh, that's good. That's good. Well, and you took at uh, 10 minutes. You must have taken the direct route because when we walked back, uh, I'm pretty sure it was about 30, a 35 minute walk because we didn't, you know, we, apparently we took the, the sightseeing route. Yeah, um, well, I've just learned one thing. Don't leave your bag in somebody's room without getting their phone number. But yeah, uh, you know, you learn little uh, simple things that don't occur to you at the time. Well, you'd have been fine if the key the key hadn't been demagnetized and screwed up. So, could well, have been, again, it's in my pocket, so it may have just been next to my phone or something. It always happens to me that at least one 
key card ends up going bad during the course of my stay somewhere. Yeah. But I had a nice room. I was over at the University Place Hotel with Marty. And then uh, Gregor and Malcolm Blaney were like a floor down. Was it just only the four of you? I could have sworn there would probably end up, ended up being about 10 people staying there. Those are the only four that I remember off the top of my head. But again, it's a nice enough hotel. It's uh, not too, it wasn't too far from the venue. It wasn't too close either, but it was a short um, TriMet or light rail right away. Mm-hmm. Uh, they gave free breakfast. It wasn't luxurious, but good enough. You know, cereal, eggs, uh, stuff I wouldn't eat of a meat nature. Mm-hmm. And so on. And uh, the Wi-Fi was decent. Um, admittedly, if you were expecting a luxury hotel, it wasn't that, but there was a pool. I was going to go in the pool, but when I came back from uh, your hotel, um, the pool was still open. However, there was a couple being intimate in it, so I decided that I didn't want to interrupt them. Uh... Well, it's a good reason. You know, who, who wants to interrupt young love? <laughs> oh, the stories that are better left untold. Oh, should I have skipped that story? No, I, no, I, you know, I don't know. I was trying to entice people into visiting the University Place Hotel for next year's Indie Web Summit because you know, if if we get enough people, maybe they'll give us a block. Yeah, oh, we should take a whole floor. I think that would be interesting. Yeah, although the we were, it wasn't too horrible. The uh, Greg and I were in a suite at the Deluxe. Was an interesting themed hotel. Yeah, I know. I was, and it I wasn't. Was there. What 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 was on the key, who was on the key card? That I don't that recall. I don't recall actually. I remember there were, it was sort of like this film type theme. Yeah, uh, with this sort of you know very like old like thirties or forties style decor. Yeah, which is, I appreciate a nice retro approach, but. Uh... Uh, Either way, I, I think more coordination on where people stay would be nice because you could have people who stay at the same place. Yeah. I like or, getting well, roommates for these things. Not everybody who goes to these types of events rooms with somebody else, but it's a good way to save money and you know keep keep the, the conference going. Oh Yeah, I was going to say, I forget the saving money part. I think it was actually more interesting to to use it as a means of extending the day and having additional conversations that you... You wouldn't have otherwise had the time for it, particularly when you're only there for two or three days. So, yeah. well, that's what I did, and then uh, afterwards, um, I went to the airport with your roommate. Yeah, there you and go. We were hanging around there because our flights left within an hour of each other. Oh, yeah, I had left early to catch flights, and then my my the connecting flight I had got stuck, and you know, took an extra four hours. Although I did get to see a. Uh, a nice little uh, quarrel at which at least one person was arrested in the middle of a terminal. Those are always uh, fun. I can boy, tell you stories. If you want to see some police presence at an airport, just you know, start yelling in the middle of a concourse. And yeah, as I and said, you, I could I could tell you stories. Twenty or thirty people show up pretty quick. Makes me feel safer. Yeah. <laughs> Well, considering oh, that every phone in my place keeps ringing, I'm going yeah. to give up and say, let's continue this podcast at another time, and let's end it for tonight. 
Sounds good. All right. Okay. Oh. Good night, everyone. We'll be back next time, whenever that is. All right. Okay. Bye. -bye.